named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. A good estate agency adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Worrell and today I'm joined by a special guest host, Ian Macbeth. Sam is away for a couple of weeks. How are you, Ian? I'm good. Yeah, I'm really good. Feeling good. It's pancake day today at the point of recording. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've I've just nipped home after the gym and uh, the boys were very, very excited running through pancakes. It does feel like I'm missing out, but pancakes for breakfast, I don't think is probably the best start to the day with all the sugar and, uh, and, and, and what have you. But you wouldn't be eating anyway at the moment because you're how far through a ridiculously long fast? I'm over 40 hours at the moment. So yeah, it's, um, it's good actually. I feel quite good today. I've, I've had a little bit of a headache when I woke up. But we're doing 72 hours There's a group of us doing 72 hours on the uh, Project Peak Performance Group. And we were really, really inspired by a guest that we had on that did five days, not last week, but the week before. And then understanding the biology and the science behind it has been quite interesting. So, yeah, I'm running a lot of marathons at the moment. So I'm eating a lot of carbs and sugar to fire up for those. And I feel quite bloated and inflamed after the marathon. So, I'm quite excited to see the body change over 72 hours with just water and salt, basically. So, and are you running another marathon this weekend? Yes, After. yeah, I've got I've got three more to do for Stephen Brown's um, computers for schools. So I've done seven so far this year, seven in 41 days, and I've got three more to do. Doing one Sunday because um, wow. I'm actually driving up to your way this weekend to pick up a car, going to Blackpool. So Ooh. just past you. You're going um, to Blackpool to pick up a car. Are you going to get out alive? Are you going to what, sorry? Are you going to get out alive? I'm, I'm hoping so. I was, I'm in an iron about doing the marathon up there, but I thought, as I don't know my way around, I'll save it for Sunday when I'm home. <laughs> um, you can yeah, run, it, this... run across the front. It might be a bit windy though. Yeah, I'll stay, save it for where I know. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, good start to the year. Lots of, lots of plates spinning and um, yeah, 40 hours into the fast. So feeling clear and fresh. Excellent. Well, you, you you certainly look it, and we'll we'll talk about juggling plates and, and what have you in a, in a little little bit. But we always start these podcasts, as you know, with the, with the same quest, question. Um, so before we dive in and have just a bit more of a generic chat about agency, how have things changed for you in regards to world class agency? And what does world class agency look like for you and your avocado partners in twenty twenty four? Yeah, it's always it's probably difficult to sum up in in one response, but. I was thinking about this knowing that you were going to ask me because obviously I listen to the podcast a lot. And I think the biggest thing that I wanted to kind of talk about was profit. Okay. Profit is where I would start with that. World-class agency, to deliver world-class agency to a client, you need to have a world-class agency. Mm. And world-class having a world-class business means you cash flow and you're profitable. And I think it's a little bit like if you use the analogy of, you're on the aeroplane, you're going down, you put your mask on before you put your family and you help someone else. If your business is not profitable, it doesn't matter how good an agent you are, how good a service, how good a product. 
you can't offer the client what they need to be offered if you can't cash flow. So I think that's probably where I would start with world-class agency is, is your business cash flowing? Is it profitable? And then are you able to be proactive in terms of offering new features, innovating, moving with the times and delivering ultimately a service to the client that, that can't be beaten by anyone else. So I would say that is the foundation really is, is profit cash flow. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think profit and cash flow is, is perhaps a little bit of a deal where maybe the cash flow side of things, you know, not the most exciting thing to talk about, but we don't probably don't talk about profit enough on this show. And I think 230 episodes, 229 episodes in, I think that could be the first, or if not one of only few answers to that question that we've had about profit. And why, why do you think people do consider it a bit of a, a dirty word? And why, why do you think it's so important to get that right before focusing on delivering exceptional customer service, for example? I think it's hard because our industry has a reputation of being quite um, flash, sometimes a little bit cocky. Yeah. You know, we're, typically known as a stereotypical bmw drivers nice sharp suits um talk the talk very clean cut and i think that oozes from the public's perception maybe something where we earn too much money as mm -hmm. a business we take too much money and it's not true at all because obviously with a state agency it's very much high turnover high cost sliver of profit you have to spend a lot to to mm -hmm. make a lot of profit um, and turn over a lot so I don't think the public quite get the the actual stress levels that are on a business from a cash flow, from a profit point of view and how month to month it can be so drastically different yeah. without a reoccurring revenue other than maybe lettings. But, you know, you, if you're looking at a sales business, it's a very up and down industry. Mm. You know, we're in Q1 of, of 2024 now and seasonally that's a very non-profitable quarter for a lot of estate agents. And, the first half of the year is very challenging it's very difficult and then you cash flow in in q3 and q4 more significantly as the pipeline grows so yeah i think it's a dirty word because people see it through the eyes of the public but if mm. we're talking to agents we have to be profitable we have to cash flow and if you were talking in any business mentorship program or anything like that it's the first place they start yeah absolutely and we you, you talk about business and mentorship, and I know you're part of a lot of different groups. So maybe we'll talk about that um, in a little while and how that's benefited you. Because since launching Avocado, it's kind of gone from strength to strength for, for you. I think we were talking off air, five businesses in, in total at the moment. The start of the year is always a time, I think, when people try and take on a lot and maybe there's a juggling, you know, a bit of juggling plates. So now you've got all these five, five businesses. How do you manage to do all of that and make sure that you're not dropping the ball at any stage? Because I don't know you also have a very strict work-life balance, if there is such a word. Yeah, I think habits. It's, it is, there's a lot of plates that get juggled and a lot of people kind of, some of the phrases that get thrown are oh, you're crazy or, <laughs> you know, how do you keep up? And I think mindset obviously is a huge trigger word at the moment, you know, mental health, things like that and stress levels. And a lot of people in our industry, it's very easy to kind of just get caught in this hamster wheel and, mm. and kind of just be the, be the job, you know, buy yourself a job if you own the company or be the job and, and look for the career path. But what we kind tried to do with these businesses is we've, we've effectively looked at the model of agency and said, look, it is going to be seasonal 
And as a result, we need to add extra revenue streams. So you can either, if you want to grow as an estate agent, you can either grow organically, you can go on acquisitions, or you can add other businesses that benefit the same clients that are happy with your estate agency service. And if you ever go to a networking group, the estate agent is the hottest person in the room because mm. you've got the most leads, the most homeowner leads. You are the magnet for a networking group. Everyone wants to talk to the agent because you can feed them, but why not feed yourself? So we made a decision rather than acquiring other lettings, portfolios, et cetera, add different businesses that share the same clientele that can complement our revenue streams. And that was kind of why we've got those companies. It wasn't like an ego move. It was very much a kind of strategy. But to do that, I have to very much in terms of professional focus on one job role, one job spec. So I'm kind of marketing strategy, make sure that the business strategy is there, content creation. And I focus in that area. And then I also support the agents train and coach but I don't, I never send an invoice. I never pay a bill. I don't do any bookkeeping. I don't do any property management. Um, obviously I've stopped doing more or less stopped doing agency directly B2C. Um, so it's, it's finding a niche where you are the most beneficial to the business. And then going back on the cash flow, get into a point where you can buy your time back and get an expert in to do something that needs to be passed on. So you can do what you're good at. And that's probably sort of leveling the business to a point where it makes enough money. Now you can employ someone to do SEO or now you can employ someone to do bookkeeping and then you can do more of what you're good at. And that all comes back to habits. So yeah. the only way I can juggle all these plates with 12 hours running a week and spending enough time with the kids and being home for tea and getting to the gym and sauna in three times a week, et cetera, et cetera is I have to be really strict on a 24 hour diary and I just have one diary. And that's what really works for me is it starts at six, ends at 10, 6am to 10pm and everything goes into that one diary. And at the start of the month, my personal things go in there first and then they get scheduled. Family related things go in there and then professional related habits and everything else fits around that. We don't move for those habits basically. And that keeps the proactive Ian going forward. And it, I wouldn't say I'm not stressed because obviously there's times when you are stressed, <laughs> but it keeps the stress levels down as well so that you can be clear minded and, and sort of proactive with your goals and your visions really. And the habits, is that something that has developed over the years? Is it books that you've read? Is it um, some of the mastermind programs that you're, you're a part of? What do you think has led to those habits become so ingrained and then the you know the most important thing is being disciplined towards them I'm, I'm sure but how do you think that's developed so strongly over the years it's a, it's a good question and it's something that I do sometimes get asked and I do wonder and I, I don't necessarily have an answer as in this is definitely the reason mm. but I think it comes from the fact that my mindset is quite analytical I love an excel sheet I love creating <laughs> formulas I love I love people watching and kind of just being analytical to see what behaviors happen with, with people in situations. And I think over the years, I've tried to take good strengths from key players in my life and implement them myself. Um, I don't read books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen, I listen to the odd audio book, but 
I find a book quite difficult to digest if I'm honest. Uh, so I don't, I don't always get through the audio book mm -hmm. because I get bored. Yeah. Um, but a podcast, perfect hour, hour and a half, you know, love that. So I do take a lot in there. A lot of it's just self-taught mm. if I'm honest, you know, I've, the personal discipline is really, really important. And I think that goes back from, I started my career as a fitness instructor before agency and you have to be quite systematic in how you train someone to use a piece of machinery and yourself, you have to be quite disciplined in, in obviously your appearance and your, your health and your well-being. And that's just carried on through life really. So I don't have an answer for that, but I think it's, it's something to do with being analytical, systematic and, and disciplined really. Didn't know you were a fitness instructor, but maybe now all the running, uh, you know, is, is, is explained and how, important do you think fitness is to help you be disciplined within that but also to living a life where you are excelling at work and at home how important do you think health and fitness is in in that regard in yeah it could be controversial depending on how it's taken but i do genuinely believe a fit and healthy business person agent parent husband son um is a better asset to the people around them than an unfit and healthy person hmm. and i think that means that you have to be able to be disciplined to do the workout or do the um the diet restraint you know diet's a horrible word but not eat excessively when mm -hmm. you don't need to eat excessively you have to be disciplined enough to do that when you don't want to do it knowing that the result is better for not doing it or for mm. doing it and that's hard for people because it's very easy to take the easy path and go down that route of just oh, i'll have another donut or i'll binge out this weekend oh it's only sunday i'll binge out again but what the what the negative diet does to your mindset going into monday you know the crash that you have and the frustration of monday for me is not worth it so mm. you know i stopped drinking a year ago and I just, I'd much rather be clear mind that the benefit of having a boozy night with wife or friends does not outweigh the next 48 hours of being clear minded for me. So mm. it's looking at the win to the loss. Um, and for me, it's always go with the stronger one, which typically means being healthy, being fresh, being fit um, and being able to, to take on any challenge really physically. So I think it's really important, especially at, at kind of our age middle age you know i think it's really important it might be a bit different when you're 23 and you can kind mm. of do x y and z but i think when you get to that middle age and you're juggling parents family life business and yourself you know yeah. you've got to put yourself in that your own health and wealth and well-being i think fitness is the foundation of that really and just on that point i was having a conversation with my nine-year-old or oh, my six-year-old, maybe it, it, it was, this weekend. And I was say, trying to explain to him about the importance of loving yourself and putting yourself first. I think it's something that probably people don't talk about enough, is that how important spending time on yourself and thinking about yourself, you know, in a, in a positive light is. How important do you think putting yourself first you mentioned there personal time in your diary is really important i hate the term middle age and please don't ever use that again but <laughs> um but with with all of those things that we have when we are sort of our age do you think people 
use all of those things as an excuse to not put themselves first or do they just not have the mindset that it's really important to put to put themselves first because i'm a great believer that sometimes being selfish is beneficial to those people around you for some of the reasons that you've that you've already explained but i don't think it's something that people either talk about or even necessarily think about a lot i think because we go in that hamster wheel mm. we go to work we work we come home we have dinner we put the kids to bed we sit on the telly you know, sit on the sofa, watch telly, we repeat, we yeah. repeat, we repeat, we repeat. And I think you have to be able to either have something that's a strong enough, like reason, like something slaps you in the face medically, or, you know, there's a shock in your life, which triggers mm. you to shape you out of that circle. So you step out of it and review yourself or in business, it's the same circle. You know, sometimes the business is gradually just going under. It's the whole kind of put the frog in the boiling pan and, you know, it will stay there just gradually going under but sometimes it's a real knee jerk that's required to actually shake you to go mm. right actually i've got to sort my fitness out or i've got to sort my business out or i've got to sort my relationship out or whatever it may be but i think if you can get that trajectory on the up through good habits and discipline it isn't easy it's a harder way to live but it's more rewarding and beneficial because in a year's time you're in a stronger position business, fitness wise, relationship wise or business wise for being disciplined, basically. So you have to put yourself first. You've got to, As, especially when the market's not, you know, we're talking agency here. But when the market's not what it was two years ago, everything's easy when mm. it's two years ago. More yeah, cash flow, yeah. more profit, more smiles, more pay rises, more promotions, easier work more holidays everyone's yeah. living the dream right and then boom it changes a little bit it's more stressful more redundancies you know we're not earning as much money less holidays more and all of a sudden it's easy to put yourself to the back of the pile yeah when actually you need to be at the forefront of that you've got to be your fittest your healthiest your clearest you've got to be on it on it to make a difference so i think it's really really important and not spoken about enough in that age bracket and and in agency as well to be honest mm, yeah and uh, I, I do agree um because of all the reasons that you've you've talked about you've got to you've got to put yourself first just out of interest and you mentioned there about a knee-jerk moment your your story obviously avocado has grown you know quite significantly but was being made redundant that knee-jerk reaction for you and when did you realize that actually this was the best thing and avocado is going to go um amazing because i'm right in thinking it was redundancy during covid for you is that right just before it was like a year before right yeah so 2019 um not from a fitness point of view i've yeah. always been on that i've always been strong on that not from a habit point of view i've always been a gym rat i've always been quite strong at trying different diets and things like that you know whether it's keto or whatever it may be intermittent fasting etc so that never changed that's just my dna that's who i am yeah um being driven to do something and achieve something to make my kids proud that's where avocado came in and the knee jerk was the redundancy to say well you know i was in a comfort zone 16 years in the company managing director looking after 10 officers in the marketing department the golden boy throughout my whole career bang, all of a sudden slap in the face. And you've got that knee jerk moment where you go, what do you do? Yeah. And, you know, you go through that process. It took me three days, it took me 72 hours, funnily enough, to go from being upset, angry, frustrated to on the decision and the path that I wanted to take with not 
calling it avocado in that moment it but the idea of doing something yourself and the main reason behind that is I never wanted to be uh never wanted to have my career and my profession in someone else's hands mm -hmm. so that's why I started my own company as a result of that to take control back basically and you mentioned before um on that so start starting your own company the knee jerk professionally uh to do that i think it's really interesting about you know making the kids proud and, and and that side of things but you talked about having your job spec um knowing where your strengths lie will help you with the discipline and, and the juggling plates so i know that you've got a business partner business partners maybe um how important do you think getting the right people alongside you in whatever you know whatever profession whatever business how important do you think that is and why do you think you've been able to to do it so well I think team is team is so important and one of the things that I was trying to make a decision on was do I do this on my own this is just after the run redundancy or do I do it with someone and of course, my brother actually owns a really successful marketing business in the city uh, and he's got two business partners. They started together and he said, don't don't do it on your own. Do it with someone. Share the load. And it's strange that one, and I find this with the avocado duos and the solos. A solo can do 100 percent capacity, but a duo can do 250 percent capacity. They can do 50, they can do 25 percent more as a combination each yeah. than you can do on your own. And we see that in the figures. We see that in the listings. We see that in the in the money. So as a combination, you're just able to get to the answer faster, make the decision quicker, learn the skill, share the workload and be a better asset to the client or to your company. So that was something that was driven by my brother from an early, early sort of step. And then I said, I'm thinking about doing it. And I listed a couple of people that I'd worked with previously for for a long time. He said, you're crazy. Don't don't do it with someone that you've trained or coached. Do it with someone that's got a totally different skill set to you. Mm where are you weak? What don't you know? And I was like, well, I haven't done property management. I haven't done really lettings throughout my career. So property management, compliance, financy related stuff, not really my strength. I'm more sales marketing and training and, and being a people person. So that's where Mike came into play is we were like a yin and yang and still are, you know, now it's, it's a, it's a great business relationship that we've got because we do complement each other so well in, in our different skills and then we built the infrastructure of teams around us you know for people that are that are really strong where we're weak or really strong where the business needs more skill basically mm. and I think it's vital yeah I think it's really interesting I think that uh, for anyone starting out that piece of advice that you that your brother gave you not only about not doing it by yourself but actually asking yourself where are you weak and and what what don't you know um Let's just talk about some of the other biz businesses and branding and content for a minute. You mentioned that that's where your passion lies. That's where your your skill lies. I've got to say, I've seen the survey network branding. I think it's really cool. Obviously, the avocado branding is is super cool, and you have definite, you know, brand identity with the hoodies and and that side of things. Why do you think that is so important? And have you made a conscious decision within that to be different and how how much does being different if you have made a conscious decision on that how much does that drive decisions when you are putting content out yeah i've everything that i always think about is everyone makes a decision based on how they feel 
So trust has to come into it, but how do we feel? So when we go to press that buy button on anything, how do we feel at that moment? Do we feel ready? And all of those different touch points, when you look at a digital marketing strategy or SEO through Google or networking, anything from a marketing point of view, how does that touch point make that potential client, potential lead feel? Hmm. If the branding's weak, the first thing they look at is, hmm, they might not say it, but the first thing they feel is it doesn't look professional or it doesn't look modern or it doesn't look me um, or it doesn't look like it's been really well thought out to a high standard. So from a business point of view, if you're going to push a lot of touch points out there, do a lot of marketing, mm. your brand has to back it up. Your website has to back it up. And that's why getting the branding right for me is a bit like the fitness of the individual. If your brand, your website and your look and your feel is not good, you, can, you can't crack the, the client that's your ideal client if you want to be a very profitable company. Um, cheap looks cheap, expensive looks expensive, and modern looks modern. So it's very clear that we kind of quickly relate to the brands that we want. That's why a lot of people buy Apple, even though it's not the best phone yeah you know, that's out there. We just like the brand. So yeah, branding, I think is really important. And before you brand, you have to work out, right, what what marketplace do you want to sit in? Not do you want to be in mortgages, uh, estate agency or surveying, but within a state agency, who is your ideal client? Hmm. Because if you talk to everyone, you talk to no one. So who's the 60% in the middle? Is it the higher end, the lower end, the middle? Is it the families? What's the demographic? What does that ideal client look like? If you were to draw them on a whiteboard and write their pain points and their strengths and where they are in their life, who are they? And then does the brand correlate with them? So with Avocado, we move families. So the brand correlates with families. Yeah. Um, a lot of the feeling and decision-making of a move gets made by typically the wife. So the brink, the pink, you know, it pulls in the person that makes the decision based on how they're going to feel when they select an agent or decide to do what they're going to do. So there's a lot of science behind the branding as well that goes into it. And when we work with our branding uh, guys that, you know, obviously is an outsourced business, um, they get what we're trying to do. And there's a lot of brainstorming, you know, even down to the messaging. We spent hours and hours and hours just going through the slogans and things like that. But once you get them right, you're absolutely on for the win, for sure. And then are you applying the same attention to detail that you talked about there in designing it? Do you then apply the same attention to detail on an ongoing basis to make sure that the brand standards and the brand guidelines are adhered to throughout? A hundred percent, yeah. Because when you're talking about uh, content, when you're talking about marketing, you know, whether it's a video, whether it's a blog, it was a leaflet if someone's doing a leaflet a direct mail whether it's the uh, search ad on google the first thing you have to do is call out the person that you want to read it because mm. it's not for everyone because not everyone's going to move today if you send out five thousand direct mails or you send out a video that gets five thousand video views it's not for everyone mm. it's for your ideal clients for the person that's thinking of selling the type of property and the type of client that you want to do so you have to call them out but if you don't know who they are because you haven't set it back in your branding, well, who are you calling out? You're not calling out anyone. Mm. Call out the ideal client. Tell them what they're going to get in a short sentence from reading that blog or watching that video. 
deliver on those three points. This is the value. This is the content. This one's kind of a little bit for me, but you're at this point anyway, so you might as well read it. And then design a call to action, which is non-offensive to your ideal client and is subtle. If you follow those five steps on any piece of content or any marketing, any website page, you eventually will get your ideal client and they'll understand your identity as a brand and, and you win the profit, you know, because it's not about winning the marketplace. It's about being the most profitable business that you can be. And that's what you get from setting that up from day one, basically. And that is a lovely, nice little way to come right back to the to question that we asked first. And all of the content, all of the stuff that we talked about all comes back to profit because that's the most important thing. Because if we don't have that, we don't have a successful business. And that's why we're here, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All Amazing. Absolutely. Awesome. That's brilliant, Ian. Thank you very much um, for joining and co-hosting today. We will be back next week with another episode where we will have um, a guest with us to talk through what World Class Estate Agency looks like. If you have enjoyed today's show, please share it out with colleagues. Reach out on social media to myself, Ian or Sam. I'm Mark Worrell. He's Ian McBeth. Thank you very much. And we'll see you again next week. <laughs>